The Jason Cabinets Experience is sponsored by Cabinets HR. Cabinets HR delivers HR to companies with 49 or fewer people across the United States with our platform that automates HR products and services while giving you access to a dedicated HR business partner for more complicated HR challenges. Small business loses an estimated $10,000 per employee per year because of unreliable HR. Small business owners are spending an average of 25% of the time at HR, time that would be better spent taking care of their people, their customers, and building their business. Cavernous HR saves small business owners time and money on, on their HR. Sign up at www.cavernousHR.com or email me at jasoncavernous at cavernousHR.com to learn more. Cavernous HR, focus on your business. We've got your HR. This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Hello, and welcome to Jason Kavnis Experience. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. Our guest today is Christina Calio. Christina, you ready to be great today? I am so ready. Christina lives in Seattle with her husband, artist, is it Joey? Joey, yeah. They have two daughters living in Seattle and L.A. She's a graduate of the University of Washington. She started her career at, at, in L.A. leading international marketing sales at Giffen Records from 86 to 2000, touring with bands from Guns N' Roses to Nirvana. In 2000, she took a position at Microsoft leading music business development, first at Windows and then at MSN, Zoom, and Xbox. As the music industry transitioned from physical music business CDs to digital MP3s. In 2017, 2018, she left Microsoft to found Kaleo Music, advising businesses and artists at the intersection of music technology and worked at Fender to launch Fender Play, a subscription for online guitar lessons. Today, she's a co-founder of ARVR startup Poppins and supports three nonprofits in Seattle. Christina, thanks for being here today. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. So Fender, is that like the, the Fender guitar company? Yes. The same like Fender iconic equipment. company? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, and there's in the still business? Yeah. Oh yeah. Their um, headquarters are in Los Angeles, their business headquarters. And uh, I joined in order to help them launch their subscription for online guitar lessons. But the building itself, I mean, it was an incredible spot and it was filled with guitars. The people that did the traditional business working with brick and mortar retail were all there. So um, as someone who's been around music for all my life and uh, a husband who's a musician, so there's probably like, I don't know, eight to 10 fenders in our house already. Okay. It was a really great place to be. So what, what do you do for fun? <gasps> oh, I'd say probably, um, time with family and friends is the most important thing. I love being on the water. Like anytime anyone invites me, whether it's a mattress or being on the shore or getting in a pool, I'm there. Like, I, I love that. Um, and I love nature. I don't get to do it as often as I like, but any chance I get to go on a hike or go somewhere outside, that's a place for me. Any favorite water sports? Like, do you, do you actually do water skiing? You just like hang out the beach or get on the boat? You know, I did swimming in school, and so probably just plain old fashioned swimming. Um, okay, are you pretty good swimmer? Then, 
Uh, yeah, I was, I was like, so I went to Newport high school, which did really well in one state. I was like the worst person on the team. Uh-huh. So I was good enough to be on the team, but I wasn't like the top yeah. person. Like I, I can swim, but like, if you said, okay, Jason, if you swim from here to way over there for $10,000, like, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know, I don't know if I can make I that. I you could do it. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Yeah. You'd make it one way or the other, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You're more confident in my film ability than I do. I, I do. I do. Um, so next, you, you'd work with some nonprofits. The first one I want to talk about is something called the Austrian American Council. Yeah. So and, and the nonprofit work is probably my favorite work right now. Um, my mother um, is Austrian, was Austrian. She was born there, uh, as her was her whole heritage. And uh, she came to America in well, she went to Canada first in 51, but she always had a very strong tie to Austria. And my father was German and I have two sisters. And so we grew up here really as the only family in America. I'm the firstborn. And the Austrian community became something that she really felt compelled to give to and to contribute to. And so she founded this uh, Washington State branch of the Austrian American Council in 1997. And it's a national organization. So there are Austrian American councils all around the United States. And the aim of the organization is just to foster positive relationships between the people of America and Austria. And uh, last year, my mother died in 2019. And last year, the honorary consul of Seattle asked me if I would step in to be the president and help lead those efforts here out of Seattle. And so I'm really happy to be doing that. Have you ever been, I'm guessing you've been out to Austria before, right? Yes. Like how many times? Um, I mean, I was baptized there. Okay. And um, in the recent years, I've gone pretty much every mm. year. Um, growing up, it was a little less than that. Mm. But my parents would go for probably three months a year yeah. um, as they were. So I was in the Army. Of course, I travel everywhere. From my point of view, Salzburg is the most beautiful city in the world, right? It's like, it's, it's not even close, right? Like people yeah. see... You know, Venice, Florence, different places. Like it's for me personally, like Salzburg, just the mountains, the atmosphere, the vibe. Yeah, to me, Salzburg's my city. Okay, well, when you go again, you need to go to this very small village that my mom is from, um, called Alpbach. Okay, and it's not far. It's kind of between Munich and Innsbruck, mm-hmm. close to Kufstein, so not too far from Salzburg. Okay. Um, and it's very much that sound of music, mm-hmm. kind of green Alps, but skiing in the winter. I forgot all about Innsbruck. To be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's just this is a nice area. Yeah, it's breathtaking. I mean, you go there and it's just as much as I like the water, the mountains there of Austria yeah. also just speak to me. Like I could just sit there in front of that house and drink it all in. So you, you might not know this, but how many Austrian Austrian Americans live in the United States? Because usually you hear like Japanese American, Chinese Americans, you know, all these different ethnicities. Like you yeah. never really hear like Austrian Americans. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up, but I'd love to give you that stat. Um, it's a pretty strong community here in the Seattle and the Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest area. Um, one area that's a particular interest to me is the new Austrian citizens. So Austria uh, amended their dual citizenship laws a couple of years ago to give kind of a speedier dual citizenship to people who are descendants of mm. victims of Nazi okay. aggression. And so that's been really rolling into effect the last few mm. years. And just here in the Seattle area, we have over 200 new Austrian American okay. citizens. Um, and since 
many of them are Jewish, we are putting a, you know, uh, taking that opportunity and really highlighting Holocaust education and working with a lot of them that are passionate um, about now making sure that their stories are told. Now, your two daughters, are they still at yes. home with you or they're out the house? So uh, one's in Los Angeles okay. and she wants to be an artist. So she's doing music. Okay. Um, and the other is currently at home. Like she, she went to college and then the pandemic and yeah. came back and, you know, she's now, um, she's actually taking a phlebotomy class right now. So okay. she's working So a question for you is like, they're, they're both born in America, right? Yes. So how do you make sure that you like, keep the tradition going, like how the, the Austrian upbringing, like the Austrian traditions, like the, what happened back over there and still be like, you know, functioning in America, so to speak. Hopefully that question makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's been a part of our culture, I think, because we were such a small family. So many of the Austrian or even European traditions are just our traditions. Um, and Gianna, the youngest, she has gone with me the last several years to Austria. Uh, we've inherited the house that my mom was born in and that her mom was born in. So this very old house um, that's requiring some extra care now. And and she loves to go. Um, and they both, Isabella has been many times too. But yeah, they it's there in them. Okay, all right. So I just thought of something like when I was stationed in Germany, I took my three kids. This place, there was a salt mine in Austria somewhere. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was like it was by the um, it was by Bavaria, like the Eagles Nest, the trailer head. There's a town right there in Austria, mm-hmm. some kind of salt mine. I can't remember what it was. But I remember that was a good time going to the salt mines and stuff. Yeah, there are a lot of silver and gold mines mm-hmm. also in that area and in Austria. And we did that one year too, where we went. I mean, it's kind of creepy, yeah, right? You is, get yeah. in a little roller coaster yeah. type thing you and you go down You got to put the jacket on over you. Yeah, 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 and the helmet and the whole yeah. thing. And it gets really dark and really cold mm-hmm. and, yeah. So you have any, like, any, like, goals or focuses for the Amer- Austrian-American Austrian Council, Council coming up? Yeah, so there's a big uh, Austrian-American day, which Clinton signed into law uh, in September every year. And last year we did an event where the general counsel from Los Angeles flew up um, and we did it at the Holocaust Center, which is not very far from here, the Holocaust Museum of Seattle Center. And it's a beautiful spot. Um, And we'll do that again this year to welcome the new Austrians, but also just commemorate this friendship between the two countries. Um, there's a MyFest coming up. So, uh, and th- these are all open to everybody. So anyone could go. Um, and that's just the May Day celebration. And there'll be live music and food and dance and people coming together. Um, and there'll be several others. An Oktoberfest being planned now. Okay. There's usually a holiday party. So yeah, there are events all year long. Nice. So next, let's talk about your what you do with the Seattle Theater Group. Yes. So I've just recently joined the board of the Seattle Theater Group, um, which is a nonprofit uh, known as the People's Theater. And really, um, the mission there is to preserve some of these old buildings like the Moor and the Paramount and the Neptune and make music accessible to everybody and entertainment more broadly. So there are a lot of plays and musicals and other shows that take place, education, uh, all kinds of things. So uh, I have been contributing to the annual fundraiser, which is actually happening on May 6th. There's an online auction that people go check out at stg.com. And 
all sorts of really interesting things are happening. Again, I'm just kind of stepping into the role. So how do you get involved with STD? Someone invited you, hey, you should come help us out or how did that happen? Someone on the board recommended me. and they were filling a couple positions. So I think there were other two other women that joined at the same time that that I did. Um, and the the team at STG really does involve the board mm-hmm. in their thinking, and it's so it's a really nice relationship and to be asked and considered and have a chance to put some feedback in as they consider different initiatives. Now, what's, nice. what is theater? Does it mean music theater? Does it like regular theater or everything combined? So there are a lot of music concerts that take place in those venues. So, you know, that's a staple. There are festivals like the Thing Festival, which um, takes place out at Fort Warden or Port Townsend. Um, And then there are, you know, Hairspray and Phantom of the Opera and the Temptations show, which opened not too long ago and I went to. So it's a mix of different kinds of theater. And that's also a nonprofit. Yes, it's a nonprofit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that I didn't fully appreciate that when I joined. And now that I've had a chance to really look, it's incredible the amount of things that STG does for the Seattle community. And then Calio Music, is that still in business right now? Or? Yeah, so Calio Music, I started when I left Microsoft. And my primary work with um, Calio Music is for Code.org, which is this global curriculum for students to learn computer science in schools, um, especially girls and underrepresented students. And it's a fantastic program that was started by Hadi Partovi and his brother. And this is the 10th year coming up of efforts, and it is a wildly successful computer encoding uh, teaching platform. So let's talk about Starving Arts real fast. Like you already heard the term Starving Artist, right? Yeah. Is it just the fact that the artist is so focused on creating good art that they don't worry about the business part or is the fact that the art, like the, when they learn like how to sing or whatever the case may be, there's no business sense. Like it's like, there's never a combined combination, you know? That's a great question. Um, So I don't think there's one answer, just like there's not uh, one type of teacher, you know, that everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses that they bring. But In my experience, the artists, for the most part, want to make art primarily. They're not in it to do business. They really want to make art. And those two things are hard to reconcile, and especially today. It used to be a lot easier, I think, to be an artist. And if you were signed to a major, you had people that were helping you with a lot of the business. And if you were an independent, Maybe you didn't really care or you had support from your family and friends. But in the meantime, almost everybody has to do a mix of promotion, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or whatever else, in addition to the art. So it's it's changed. As far as starving artists, I mean, yeah, it's really hard to make a living in music. Yeah, because there's a, a, a bar like two doors down, three doors across the Central Saloon. Every night they have like five or six live bands, right? Yeah. Some are like, like, man, how, how are you not making, like making more money than this? Although like, mm-hmm. I don't know if somebody needs to tell you the truth that you can't sing. Right. Oh, some of them. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's hard. I mean, and the pandemic really took a hit mm-hmm. on everybody too, because a lot of clubs had to close. Yeah. A lot of clubs had to let people go. Um, and don't most, and don't most artists actually make the money off touring versus like album sales. Or streaming, streaming numbers. Yeah, streaming numbers are tough. You know, um, 
it, I, my personal perspective is there's more opportunity for an indie artist now than there was in the past, mm-hmm. because at least you can record something and distribute it yeah, through I know everywhere. some people would put stuff on SoundCloud or really yeah. on Spotify. Yeah. I just read another stat that in the meantime on Spotify, they're releasing 100,000 songs every day. That's insane. So you imagine how hard it is to like, actually. I mean, how do you stand out? Like, I mean, exactly. You, you, you pretty much got to have some kind of brand market or marketing plan ahead of time, right? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Your plan can't be just to put it out on Spotify and hope you get on a playlist. Here's a funny one for you. So um, I was I, mean, I was Vegas the last few days for a wedding, right? We're like walking around Fremont Street. And this guy hands me a CD. Can you buy my CD? Like, first of all, how am I going to play this? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, how, like, can you come like year 2020 or something, right? Yeah. And it just blew my mind that this, these people are like passing out CDs trying to sell them. Like, how, how will I play this? If you tell me how I can play this, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it from you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just shows you how much things are constantly evolving. Yeah. Um, when I was at Geffen Records, that was the prime more primary format mm-hmm. was CDs. That's what we were selling in different formats, you know, like the type of packaging that you would put into Tower yeah. Records and all of that. And then, um, you know, it's pretty hard to find a CD these days or to figure out where to play yeah. it. Although there is a little bit of a resurgence mm-hmm. that I'm seeing like yeah. a little bit people are like well if this is the time to buy a cd in a lot of ways that is like a master yeah you know yeah, you're if, right i mean you see why cd we have like a 20 page of paper yeah. in there you know all the mm-hmm. backgrounds and stuff you know mm-hmm. yeah i'm mean, like i can't imagine like starting off like as a singer or, or whatever musician and like you know you're trying to get venues and stuff and then someone says hey what do you do with your publisher rights like mm-hmm. how, you know that kind of stuff you know this and I know like uh, different people sell the publishing rights like millions of dollars, you know. And is that is that a good deal or a bad deal? You think you want to keep that publishing for later on in life, don't you? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, this is fairly recent, this move to people monetizing mm-hmm. all of their publishing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a smart move because the songs themselves are very valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditionally, as an artist to manage, collect, and then even pass on the rights to your songs is difficult. And I can understand why a lot of these artists see the appeal in selling um, and getting a check that is large, which a lot of these checks are very <laughs> yeah, large. Yeah. Um, it's very clean. Um, yeah, it, and it's strategic, I think, on the part of the people that are now, collecting if those. they sell the publishing, they can still sing the songs and stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. It's just that somehow they make less money long term. Yeah. They've, okay. they've sold the rights to ownership of those songs. It's really, the music business is so complicated, which is another reason I think that it's going to really be evolving right mm-hmm. now, which is part of what we're doing at Poppins. Yeah. But um, did, are you an artist? Do you no, play? No. 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 Okay. Um when and you you may know this already, but when a song is released, there are two owners. So there's the publisher who owns the song itself, the writing, the lyrics, um, and then there's the master, which is the recording, which is usually the label. So, for example, when I'm um, licensing songs for Co.org's dance party, I work with both the publisher which could represent 10 or 12 individual artists and the label. So you have to get lots of approvals before you can do anything with a song. So success is, of course, a relative term, right? 
but from your time dealing with music industry, like what percentage of artists actually think are, like are successful, right? And a success could be like you know being a, like a Taylor Swift, or it could be like you know you turn the country and you know making good money, you know, like. It's really low. Yeah, the percentage. I would think so. Yeah, um, I saw a stat recently that it's one or two percent of artists that are making any money, you know, or any anything over ten thousand dollars. I think it was a year on yeah. Spotify. Um, so, yeah, it's a good question as far as like what's the measurement of success? Yeah. Is it strictly monetary? Is it being able to make a living and do art? Is it like, you um, know, I tour the country, I do what the hell I want to, you know, yeah. I play music and great venues and meet people every day and I eat, you know, bologna sandwiches on my pickup truck and who knows, right? Yeah, yeah. And I there are a lot of interviews with artists too where they're like, you know, when you're an artist, you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Like you don't really have a choice. Yeah. So, um, that which falls back into that original question, like balancing art and business mm -hmm. and how do you do that? And I think because a lot of artists prefer the art, yeah. then they they let go of the business side. I'm guessing you artists, you really can't tell yourself, you know, if I don't you know, quote unquote, making a fire is gonna quit, right? Cause like, you gotta keep on going until whenever, right? Cause most mm -hmm. artists nowadays, like Robert Plant from Liz Zeppelin, he's turned with, um, I can't remember if a bluegrass singer, they're turning across the country, you know, selling out arenas all over, all over the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, uh, last night, I even just got on the podcast, Brett Green, he was New Tech Northwest. And he was like the, he was um, the road manager for the uh, Ramon for 10 years, right? Oh my God. Yeah, he's telling me <laughs> he like- He had some good stories. Yeah, he had some good stories. But he was telling me like, you know, how most rock band had the like two buses, like pimped out bands or whatever. They had like a um, um, Suburban and a U-Haul. And, and I, Brett was like, why do you have no buses? Like, that's the money I'm wasting, right? I don't need all that. Mm -hmm. So instead of spending X amount of money on these buses, we live simple and the money's for us on a later day, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of ways to tour. I think that there are, it's harder and harder to tour the bus these mm -hmm. days. Um, you see a lot of people touring in sprinter bands. Okay. Like that is more comfortable, but still, yes. still tough. So from your time at Giffen Records, I'm sure you met a lot of music people, artists, rock bands, what it could be. Which one was your favorite? Like it doesn't have to, whatever your metrics, like, you know, the most fun to be around, most personable, yeah. best music. What's your, what's your best group? That um, that's a hard question because I worked with a lot of great mm -hmm. artists, but I'd say, um, uh, Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses. Uh, I was hoping you yeah, say that. Yeah. I mean, uh, in, they were all great, but in, in particular, Duff McKagan mm -hmm. and Slash okay. worked so hard mm -hmm. and they were always lovely and just great to be around. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they were terrific. Uh, they were a band too that, um, you know, Geffen committed to breaking Guns N' Roses. It took a couple of years mm -hmm. of pushing that first record mm -hmm. before there was success. Yeah, I remember when the Jogo came out, it was like, everybody's mind was blown. Like, yeah. what is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they wore the rock band for a good amount of time, you know, like three or four years, right? Oh, I, much more than that, yeah. I would say, yeah. Um, they had that first album, then what was it, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 came that's out. That's right, yeah. Yep. November, November Rain. Yep. And then I guess I guess they started having conflict with the actual roles. He, I guess, according to the, what I remember reading, like, he started acting like crazy and stuff, like doing like weird stuff, you know? Well, I think this goes back to artists are not necessarily business people, mm -hmm. and they're also in that same group of artists where 
they're unpredictable yeah. and passionate and that's part of what makes them great artists you know yeah. so axel worked hard too mm -hmm. uh, you know i remember at the beginning um because i was doing international so i was doing international sales and marketing mm -hmm. so i would work with a companies, uh, countries around the world. And then in each of those countries, we would develop a plan. So you'd still need a publicity plan, a marketing plan, a radio plan, all of those kinds of things. Um, on the publicity side, that meant that I often had the artists in my office okay. or somewhere, uh, putting them on the phone with journalists in different yeah. countries to prepare for whatever single or album launch was coming out and Axel in particular, there were a lot of times where his preferred time was in the middle of the night. Okay. I can imagine. So, yeah. you know, there was, there was stuff like that. Um, but yeah, really, um, great. Aerosmith was also fantastic mm. to work with. Um, I have a great memory just since we're talking about the artist mm. piece of one time we were doing a set of interviews, uh, and phoners with Joni Mitchell and, she came, she decided that she wanted to eat her lunch at my desk. So she came into my office okay. and sat down and she was just yeah. He's Johnny talking. Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. And, um, which was great. I mean, I was thrilled, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, and she was talking about her art, her paintings that she does and that how, what a terrible businesswoman she was and she loves to paint. So she needs to do it, but she just gives them all away. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the best business deal yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it made an impression on me, though, that, yeah. you know, she she recognized that and she was still just going to keep moving forward with her art. So what's the one artist that you would you would pay to see right, right now? Oh, there's probably a lot of artists yeah. I would pay. I would say, actually, no, I do pay to see yeah. like artists. Um, what? Let's see. Um You know, I just missed like that Gary Clark Jr. I think came through. Oh, did he? That I was, didn't know that. Maybe it was a little further. That's the, that's the guitarist that's that lives in Austin, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to see that Talking Heads Head, okay. next week, I think it okay. is. Um, yeah, Seattle does have like, Seattle Tacoma Waltz has like pretty good people coming through yeah. as far as like entertainers. Yeah. And uh, there's a whole bunch of local artists mm -hmm. too that i'd love to go see yeah. alex shaw's and fiscum tomonakiyama sassy black who's now moved to atlanta but um you know there's some great local talent there's a nonprofit called um sonic guild who's actively nurturing talent in seattle okay. and they have a program um for members with a show every month that features local artists I mean, seattle's been known as a music town for quite a while now hasn't yeah. it i mean oh yeah yeah i i mean ironically i think in some ways i grew up loving music and decided to move to los angeles because i thought that's where i could uh -huh. get some experience in music and that i would come back to seattle mm -hmm. um and at that time a lot of bands would just skip Seattle, yeah. you know, they would just go from San Francisco to Vancouver. Yeah. You know? um, and while I was in Los Angeles, everything exploded up here with yeah. Nirvana, mm -hmm. um, which is another band I liked to had a great good time working with. But um, yeah, the timing was a little off on that. <laughs> what advice do you have for new artists getting just getting started? Uh, be yourself. Don't try to copy what somebody else is doing. Um, write your own songs and uh, just persevere. That's hard. 
you know, and, and I see that with my own daughter who's pushing to do that right now. It's, it's a hard business, but I think the most important thing is just to know that going in and work hard. So your daughter, what's she actually, is she trying to be a singer, uh, play yeah. an instrument, be a singer? Yeah. I mean, she has several instruments, so she had piano lessons and what, guitar lessons. What type lessons of music she, and, does she sing in? Um, I would put it, she might hate it that I would say this, and she doesn't have one genre, but the last thing I heard was kind of beach housey. Okay. Um, a little Lana Del Rey, maybe. Okay. Um, but she also likes, you know, screamo. Like she okay. likes to like do that. Now, how much do you think you influenced her to take this career path or how much was like actually on her own, you know? Uh, I don't think it was me. I think it was probably more my husband, okay. Joey, um, okay. who is actually a professional musician. So that's all he does um, for his career. Uh, and again, I, I think it's just in her. Okay. It's, you know, I think both both my daughters are artists. <laughs> All right. So next, let's talk about a project you worked on back then at Microsoft Zune. Mm -hmm. So Zune, I remember, came as like a pair to the iPod, iPod, I think. Mm -hmm. So why do you think Zune, you know, like didn't make it, so to speak, you know? I think we were just too early. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the mobile phone capabilities and entertainment uh, and a lot of the things you see today on phones, mm -hmm. we had with Zune. Um, but... It was, people weren't quite ready for it. All of the ideas weren't really second nature to people. Was, I remember it was a way, way better product than, than what anything Apple had at the time or anybody else had at the time, right? It was a good product. Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, and it did a lot of things that a lot of other players didn't do. So many, too many things. Maybe. Yeah. yeah maybe Apple's genius at making things simple. Yeah. You know? Why do you think Microsoft has to like come out with a Microsoft Zoom version two or something like that? Uh, Michael, I mean Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft decided to get out of um, okay. that business, which doesn't mean that it couldn't get back into that business. But um, it was it was a decision that I think, along with a lot of other things, there's stuff you want to do yourself, and there's stuff that you're happy to have third parties yeah. do using your tools. You should have one. I got a couple of them. You, yeah, you do, know, and you still listen to them and play with them. Yeah, and um, so they still work. They still work. Okay. And if you watch, I just saw a trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy, uh -huh. the new one that's coming out, and Zoom features in that again. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. That's pretty nice. Yeah. So, what got you started in music? What got you interested in it? Uh, just liking music, I think. So, uh, in Austria. It's a different kind of music, but you can't go to a restaurant in these little villages mm -hmm. without a guitar player and accordion. Yeah. Or even at my grandmother's house, if we were visiting, someone would come. And my dad was a, a played piano beautifully. And so in the evenings growing up, that's we would gather around the piano and he would play music. Um, so I grew up with music. And then of course, as soon as you get into like junior high and high school, you're looking for like punk rock or whatever is going to be kind of against the grain a little bit. And, um, that was discovering new music on KXP, which was KCMU at the time was just, um, I mean, that's all we wanted to do, um, was sneak into clubs or <laughs> go out to clubs or, um, listen to the radio and yeah. But what time period was it like you were like, okay, I really like music and I want to do it as a career. 
What did that happen? <laughs> After I was working at Geffen. <laughs> um, so I, I thought I would be a diplomat or go into some kind of international relations. Um, I graduated with a degree in political science. Um, I did an internship in Washington, D.C. at the Smithsonian. So I was very much focused on kind of maybe a political path. And I, after graduating, I said, well, I'm just going to take a break for three months. And I moved with two friends, two girlfriends down to Los Angeles, just to get it out of our system. Like, let's just go down for three months. We'll pick oranges. We'll jump in pools. We'll go to the beach. And then we'll come back to Seattle. We'll get real jobs. Um, and which included like getting some experience and doing those kinds of things. And so one of the jobs I applied for was the receptionist at Geffen Records, which only had 30 people working at it at the time. And and I got it. So I got a job in the mailroom. And it's the classic story. It ended up turning into a real job. Yeah. But I think I'd been there uh three months and three different divisions said, Hey, why don't you jump on board in our group? Mm -hmm. And that's when it became like real. Like, okay. oh, this is actually a career. Nice. So how long did you end up being down in LA? 15 years. 15 years, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and when did you yeah. move back to Seattle? I moved back after having my second daughter. Okay. So in 2000, I started at Microsoft, and we bought okay. a home up here and all of that. So how did that work? I can imagine, like, going from Geffen. I mean, I'm sure it's a business corporation, what it could be, but it's still, like, a busy business. Like, you know, Axel Rose, Johnny Mitchell, like, kind of craziness. And going from that to Microsoft, you know, to, to, to me, like, bureaucratic, big-time corporation. Like, how did that transfer go for you? Uh, it was probably gentler than you might think because they hired me to interface with the music industry. So I was still spending so much time with the people that I already knew, the managers, the record labels, the artists, the others. And um, they were just getting into music. So the teams that I was on were also kind of focused on entertainment. So uh, I'd say at Microsoft, it, it is definitely a huge company, but you still find your own. It almost felt like working at a small company within a large company. Okay. Our, our group. So you, you've been a lot of live music venues to your, to your career. You have like a favorite place to go to some music live? Um, you know, the Gorge is hard to beat. Is it? Um, have you been out there? No. You haven't been out to the Gorge no. ever? No. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, I know. Yeah. I, I suck. Yeah. Well, you don't suck, but um, another one, Red Rock, okay. I haven't been to, yeah, that, but I would Utah, like to go right? to. Was it someplace else I'm thinking about? Uh, it, you know, I don't know. Okay. Utah, Arizona. I think Somewhere it's Utah. There. Yeah, I think, I'm <clears throat> sure it is. Um, <laughs> today, um, the Neptune is a great place for a live show. So is the Moore. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, where else is really fun? Tractor is always a good time. Okay. You know, there's in the meantime, there are more and more um, places coming up that are open that have. Oh, if you haven't been to the new Crocodile yet, that's great. Is it? Okay. Yeah. And the Clock Out Lounge up on Capitol Hill Beacon Hill is great. Okay. Yeah, how, there's a lot of great venues. How often are you able to get out and actually go to see live music in person with all the stuff you have going on? Do you make it like a, is it like a, you make a priority to go see a live music once a month? Does it tell you busy right now or like? I like to say yes. I'm not usually the one that's finding it, but mm -hmm. I'm lucky in that I've got a group of friends, especially one friend, uh -huh. 
her name is Kyla Fairchild. She um, started No Depression, which was, uh, she's just a music person. And she's really good about saying, hey, this show, that show. Um, and then one of our partners at Poppins is Terry Morgan, who's, okay. do you know Terry? No, but actually he's, I have a question about him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I know he's a, he's an advisor for you, right? Yes. Like, how did that come about? Like, how did he become an advisor for you? Why is it important to have an advisor for your company? And like, what, how does he add value to you, yeah. to your company? So I met Terry when he was managing the Posies, which is a Seattle band that had national success. And I was at Geffen Records. So. So you know him for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So a pretty long time. And he's just an instrumental person in the Seattle music scene. You know, he was involved in starting the show box all the way through to he's very involved now in a new venue out of um, Carnation Farms, which I had the chance to go to just uh, a couple of weeks ago. And that's another great venue on the east side. So um, we stayed in touch. Um, he's done all kinds of incredible work. He did a festival, a light festival called Borealis just before the pandemic. Um, and when we started Poppins, um, I, he, we talked and he had, was managing Zan Fiscum, who was on The Voice, um, and Alex Shaw. And uh, they both came in and did holograms with us. So he was very interested and it just turned into, let's bring you on board. So most of us have like a board of ours, like three or four people. Why do you only have one? We're still just getting started. Even though we had our first release in June of 2021, uh, my co-founder, who I also met at Microsoft, Brian Lee and I, have been experimenting, working with artists, um, testing the limits of what we can do, pushing into 3D Live, which is a new area. And so that's been our focus more than fundraising or getting a board together. Okay. So I, I found this like, and I could be in this wrong, but your platform is actually on something called Former Vision. Yes. Can you explain, like, well, first yeah. of all, like, why, why choose that company? Like, why not do it yourself? All those kind of things. And do you, yeah. do you actually plan on doing this? Like, you actually, this is a bad way to term. Do you actually plan to like, kick Former Vision to the curb and like do it yourself? What's the plan with that? So Former Vision also kind of stems from early days at Microsoft at HoloLens. So I first saw AR VR technology at HoloLens about 10 years ago. And Formavision um, is a platform that's developing augmented reality, virtual reality technologies, focused on enterprise. So think 3D Zoom. Brian Lee, who's my co-founder, had been working with them, advising them for about five years, when he called me, we were working on some other things together and said, do you think that there's an entertainment platform for this? And I did. Um, and so we started talking more and we've built pop-ins using the Form of Vision platform. So no, we, we don't have any um, view towards leaving Form of Vision. We think they're amazing. They're really uh, world-class uh, especially in 3D live streaming. I don't know if there's anyone better. Um, they're out of Seattle also? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have to gotta give them a certain percentage of profits or like, how does that work? Or like, are they, are they, are they, are they on your cap table or something or? Uh, no, I mean, we're a partner okay. and a customer. Okay, all right. And so you found your co-founder at Microsoft, right? Yes. And so how long have y'all known each other? 
Um, let's see. I wonder when I met Brian. Brian and I met in the Zoom days. So, also a long time ago. Yeah. Brian was a vice president at Microsoft okay. in the entertainment and devices division, which included working with Jay Allard, who started Xbox, as we launched a hardware product and music. Um, so I would guess that was probably... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably been, been 15 years. Okay. So how do you like balance between, so like, how do you make sure like, okay, I'm gonna focus on this, I'm gonna focus on that. And you know, you always hear these horror stories, co-founders breaking up and tearing the company apart. So how do you make sure that all that bad stuff that happened while you make sure you both add what you need to do to the company? Uh, I think on that, we're a really good match in that we're pretty different. So we have that history. So we've worked together in the past. So we both knew each other. Um, but we don't always see things the same way. And we recognized early on that that was actually really beneficial. So we can talk that through and share those perspectives and then come up with something better than either one of yeah. us would come up alone. Okay. So I'm, I'm sure. And I think we're both dedicated and we both understand at this point how to work through a conflict like that to get and to And are both of you like doing this full time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like with me, like I don't have a co-founder right now, but like me, I'm an introvert, right? So if I have a co-founder, they can't be an introvert, right? Like what, right. Are we, what are we going to do? We both going to stand here and not say anything, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I, and I'm not a creative person either. Yeah. So, I, so I need like an introverted creative person, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'm it's like, good to know what your yeah. strengths and your weaknesses are. And, you know, it, I remember the first time I had a manager... And we did one of those tests, you know, those tests they make you do where mm. you're like, I'm green and you're blue yeah, and, yeah. We, you know, we're wah, wah, whatever. Um, and we were really different and I was kind of concerned, mm. you know, this must have been early on. It might not even have been at yeah. Kevin. And they're like, no, 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 that's good. Mm. That's, you know, we want that. We want to be able to kind of like support each other and have strength in different areas. It makes the team better. Yeah. And how many people are your team, including you and your co-founder? So it's Brian and I. Mm. And then Terry. Okay. And then we've hired vendors okay. when we need things. So we've hired a publicist. Mm -hmm. We hired a designer to help with the logo. Mm -hmm. um, we hired someone to help us with the website. Okay. But for the most part, it's just me and Brian. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so, getting good at setting up things. Like, you know, <laughs> we have this mobile studio. We were just up in Vancouver this weekend for a conference. Uh -huh. And... Um, I'm getting pretty good at like unclipping stands. And, it's amazing like, the stuff you things. learn. Like, yeah. you know, like, like I can edit videos now or do design stuff, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's amazing what you can learn. Yeah. I you can load to. a Pelican case. I can. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, some of this stuff. And it's, that's more difficult than you think it would be. Yeah. Doing the Pelican case, take all that customer stuff out. So what is um volumetric video? So this is what, um, Poppins uses uh, from Formavision to capture our avatars or our holograms. So volumetric video technology uses depth cameras surrounding the person or object. So we're really fo focused on people. So the main studio has over 51 cameras and you stand almost in a steel dome that's got the cameras at different heights in different areas and perform with no motion cap suit. It's just the artist as they are. And then that's stitched together through proprietary software over a period of usually days. It's an incredible amount of data. It's more data than all the cameras capture during the Super Bowl. So just 
like terabytes of data that then get pulled together to create this 3D lifelike image of the artist. Um, so that's that's the volumetric video piece of it. And that's, is that something that Former Vision does for you? Is something completely different? Yes. So Former okay. Vision has built all of the technology that we are built on top of. And this tech, is it like relatively new technology or this stuff that's been around for a while? Um, so it's been around for a while, but it hasn't hit the mainstream, okay. so to speak. Uh, we Last time I checked, which was months ago, there were only 100... 125 studios that I could find around the world that were capturing people mm -hmm. in volumetric video. And uh, I couldn't find anyone else who was doing 3D live streaming okay. the way that we were, where it's actually projecting a hologram in real time that can talk back to you okay. um, in your home or elsewhere. So next, talk about this thing. You're, you're a finalist and music ally X global showcase for startups and everything music. Yeah. Was that, was that pretty recent? Yeah, that was, um, it's their inaugural uh, That's award. That's a pretty, pretty or, big deal. Yeah, it was great. Music Ally is a great company for music and tech based out of London. And um, they had hundreds of applicants. So to be one of six in the area we're in, chosen to be a finalist was really I mean, gratifying, yeah, validating. Yeah. You validating know. Yeah. So why do you think your your company got picked for this versus all the other ones? Or do you think you did like make y'all stand out? Oh, I think it's the uh, transformative nature of holograms for music and for artists. So I, I draw this comparison sometimes. When I started at Microsoft, my job was to go to the record companies and convince them to go digital. Mm. And they were kind of like, well, our, we're selling a lot of CDs. Like, who wants an MP3? Like, yeah. you know, you're crazy. Um, and I think sometimes if you show someone a hologram or AR or VR, they're like, I mean, it's cool, but why? Like, I don't really need that. And our belief is that that is the next evolution of music and video. And in a few years we won't be able to remember a time where we couldn't see something in 3D yeah. if we wanted to. So that's someone's using your, your company, right? And they're, they're doing a concert, like a live in person at some venue. I'll make this number up. And I suppose the ticket costs $50 to see them actually in person, right? Mm -hmm. And then how much does the person back at home have to pay? Like, is it the same price as their live venue, like in person? Is it like a discounted rate? How does that work? So, uh, uh, sideways answer a little bit, but one of the things that Brian and I learned at Microsoft as the digital music and entertainment ecosystem evolved was that it was very hard to predict what the business model would be and that there was room for many business models. Okay. So we've embraced that and uh, challenged ourselves to be very flexible. Mm -hmm. And we are working very closely with the artists to determine how they want to go to market. Okay. So, uh, Initially, uh, and even today, actually, we talked with an artist who wants to go this route, which is to release an NFT. Okay. So the augmented reality, the 3D master, if you will, of the song is available and people can sell that to fans as an NFT. Um, over time, I mean, you can imagine all kinds of different ways. Okay, yeah, that definitely could be many, compensated. many business models. Yeah, where you were kind of going with um, someone at home versus someone in the venue. <clears throat> I think a, an easy way to think about that is when people pay the extra four hundred dollars so they can go get their picture taken 
for two minutes before or after in a VIP meet and greet. Um, if you, if the artist stepped into one of our studios, they could beam into anyone's living room or bedroom and take a picture with them. Okay. So it's, wow. and even have a conversation. So very similar, but the artist doesn't actually have to be standing next to the person in real life or get on a plane. Man, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So then you also received a grant from ASCAP Lab in, in, in NY Media. Like you was one of four startups that yeah. did that. Yeah. Y'all doing some big time stuff. Like you're going to get some, a lot of accolades recently. That's good. It's, yeah, it's good. It feels good. Validating, exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think, again, because it's such a nascent uh, technology and the business hasn't really been navigated yet as far as rights. We were talking about publishing yeah. and master rights before, for example, in music. It's really good to be working with some of these established companies like ASCAP or NYC Media Labs or Universal Music Group as someone else who's been very supportive as we just develop ideas and brainstorm and talk through like, how does this actually work? And when and how are the rights holders and artists going to get paid? And the last one I found was something called BPI Tech Springboard Program. Yeah. So that is the British phonographic um, okay. industry. So similar to the RIAA mm -hmm. here, the people who put the Grammys on. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that's actually been really fun. South by Southwest, we ended up working with an indie label that's also affiliated with BPI and meeting a bunch of those guys. Um, that organization has something called the Tech Springboard, where they're really pulling together traditional industry and new technologies to build opportunities that wouldn't be there otherwise. And like, how do you find out about those opportunities? I'm sure you have some back in the music industry help you out, but like, how do you find all these opportunities that go apply for and compete for? Yeah, I mean, ASCAP, um, NYC, that was someone at Universal Music Group recommended us. And so we spoke with them and that ended up working out. Um, Music Ally, I think, I don't know if I saw it or someone reached out. You know, in some ways, the music business is still a small industry. Yeah. So um, when the pandemic started, there were a couple of these groups that sprung up. There's a Friday call I'm on every Friday at nine o'clock with a group of marketers and artist managers. And we all talk and compare notes and yeah. help each other. And so, uh, yeah, things, things just kind of, um, come up. Okay. That's all about this. Um, well, you answered the question before me a drink, but who's an artist like you, you've known, like that it didn't, didn't make it right. But you're like, man, this person should have made that. This person had everything that the talent that the skills, like, but for some reason, they didn't like become famous or, or so to speak, right? Um, I'm sure you have like hundreds of them. Yeah, there's there's a lot of those. Um, this is a little bit of a a success story, maybe, but um, I watched David Geffen get behind a couple of artists mm -hmm. when we were at Geffen Records. Guns N' Roses being one of them, Maria McKee, who was in Lone Justice, being another, and not letting go, mm -hmm. just saying, I'm going to work this band. Like, this is going to continue to be a priority. Sonic Youth, to some degree, was that way also, which is probably why Nirvana signed to Geffen Records. So there, there are still ways, I think, to support or to believe in these artists long term. Um, but the industry has certainly changed in that yeah. there's less of that 
flexibility because everyone's hurting on the money side. Yeah, yeah. So I could be wrong, but I think like LA, Seattle, Austin, Nashville, New York City, like no, like music hubs, right? Yeah. Is any other cities out there like a no, like a music hubs that I'm missing? Um, I mean, London. London, okay, always, yeah, I forgot about um, that. Yeah. You know where there's a lot happening right now is Africa. Okay. Um, and in particular, maybe Nigeria. Okay. Um, so that's a place to watch for sure. In the same way, obviously, that if we, maybe not obviously, but if we had this conversation, I don't know, five, 10 years mm-hmm. ago, Latin music wouldn't be at the forefront yeah. the way it is now. You know, I think Bad Bunny was the biggest artist of the year on mm-hmm. Spotify last year. Yeah. Um, and I think there's there will be an, uh, way from Africa okay. coming. Talk about your, 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 what y'all did in South, South by Southwest recently. Yeah, that was great. Um, so there was an indie label called Big Indie, who's based in the UK and in Austin. And they saw something that we had done with Sir Mix-a-Lot mm-hmm. here. And they were interested in doing something. And they also have a print magazine called Licks, which is out. So uh, we did an event at South by Southwest. We had a studio not far from all of the activities and five artists came in to the studio and one at a time they performed one to three songs and then answered questions and talked to people both in the room. So, you know, it was a studio, there were some people there and a photographer and wherever they were tuning in from around the world. And tuning in is probably the wrong word because that was, you know, someone in Romania who had their phone or their quest on who clicked a link and then the artist was standing here on their desk and they could spin them around and talk to them and take a photo and share it. Um, and, and it was great. We had a really good group of artists that came through and, and they had a lot of fun. So South by Southwest, did you have to apply for there and pay some money to do what you're doing or someone to invite you or how's that work? Uh, we, not on this case. Um, I mean, you know, for people to go to South by Southwest and get a badge, there is a fee or you can panel if you're on a panel, then, then that covers that. Um, but for what we did, it was not an official South by Southwest okay. event. So next question, like, and I, and I, somebody put this on LinkedIn, like he was, his, he was saying like, you know, I understand Southwest, Southwest is a great thing to do with a camera, but like, is it really worth it, right? Is it really worth it, you know, to go there and do the conference and do the handshake or whatever? Cause you know, instead of like focus on your business and, and working on your product and, you know, doing the stuff, right? What's your take on that? It was totally worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think um, you, you have to show up for opportunities to appear in a lot of cases, at least in this scenario that Poppins finds itself. And, and what better place for you? What, uh, what are you doing, right? I mean, yeah. what, what better place than that? Yeah. There's another conference coming up next week that I'm not going to for the first time in many years called Music Biz out of Nashville. And that's another good one. But I saw so many people at South by Southwest. There's just a lot of meetups, music industry meetups, or you just run into people on the street. Um, and there is definitely uh, awareness and understanding that there's this new world opening up and there are quite a few, well, maybe I would say six to 12 companies that are also in a similar space mm-hmm. to 
where Poppins is, where it's something new. And, uh, and I got to meet several of those people too. Cause I think it's, we're all going to be better if we partner versus try to compete. Yes. Uh, and uh, some random things, you know, I met a couple of people I wasn't expecting to meet <laughs> or people that saw me that I hadn't seen for a while that just, Hey, Christina. And then, you know, I'm a big believer. You talk to anyone for a little while, there's something you can do together. Yeah, I believe it too. Now, how long is, is Sato by Sato? Is, is, is it like a month long or it's like? Uh, it's uh, probably about seven to 10 days now. That's it? And it's, okay. There's an interactive portion, a cinema portion, a music portion. So the music portion is generally Wednesday to Saturday okay. at the end. Okay. And we came in, we came in on Saturday or Sunday to catch some of the interactive piece. Okay. So I'm guessing you got to do this again next year. You yeah, can. I think we will. Yeah, I think that we called those the future future reality series, yeah. and I think we will do a second set of those next year. So, um. You have your, you're a co-founder of a startup. You're working with three nonprofits. Uh, you have a wife, a mother. I'm sure you have friends you hang out with. You have a lot going on. Having said that, how do you take care of yourself? You know, <laughs> I get a lot of sleep. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I used to not sleep and now I really like to get my eight hours of sleep. Okay. Um, so that's one thing. I don't do it as regularly as I should, but I do love to meditate. Okay. Um, and there's some great apps online that are free. Is it Daily Insight is the one? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I use that one too yeah, sometimes. It's yeah, it's great. You yeah. could just do 10 minutes. The only problem know? is like to have so many people on there, you scrolling like her, her, yeah. what time limits. You're like, I was like, there's too many people like, you know, like female voice, male voice, music, meditation, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, yeah. you know, like, man, this, let me pick one. Yeah. Well, I definitely have hearted a few of them mm -hmm. that I will go back to yeah. again and again. Or sometimes I will like, oh, I only got five minutes. So I'll yeah. filter it for five minutes and see what comes up. And I kind of know what I want. Mm -hmm. So um, that helps. So what made you want to become an entrepreneur coming from Microsoft? Uh, so I feel really lucky that I graduated from college and got that job at Geffen Records that was a 14 plus year job and then went straight from that into Microsoft and did 18 years at Microsoft. I was ready not to go sit at a desk. I was ready to do something I wanted to do um, and that was meaningful to me. Um, and so... It was when Brian, Brian actually was the one who first called me when I left Microsoft with some work and that sort of gave me the nudge to start Calio Music instead of, I would have probably not thought about it very hard and gone straight into looking for another corporate gig just because that's what I was used to, you know, take care of your family and the bills and all those kinds of things. Um, and then it just opened my mind up. You know, and now I tell people pretty regularly, like, don't count out the idea of starting your own business. Yeah. You know, you don't have to do it the way you don't have to do the whole go to college after high school and then get a job and then buy a house. And you don't have to do that. No. And that's like this generation. I think they know that, right? Like, why go to college? You got $100,000 in debt. You know, some cubicle that you're not going to like, right? I mean, there's, there's yeah. so many more opportunities out there, you know? Yeah. And and I think that the challenge is all these corporations haven't, like, figured that out yet, right? They're still trying to, like, hire people the old way, you know, come work for me for 20, 30 years. Yeah. It would kill me when, like, you're a company, like, 
all the time on LinkedIn, I come and say, you know, I can't believe so-so left me with no notice. Well, I remember two years ago, you laid everyone off and, 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 and took the pension plan from them, right? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really changed. And I think it's good. I mean, I think that I see a lot of people, even when I was at Fender and I was hiring a whole team, um, most of the people I was interviewing with were at their jobs one or two years and then would switch. Whereas before, you know, that would be a big red flag. It was like, no, that's just how people get their experience and move forward. If that's so, if you stay at a job one or three years, you're actually losing money because... New people come in, they get like higher raises. You're still stuck the same pay rate. So yeah, yeah. everyone says like you need to move around to. I think if you, if you stay a job for like, three years, like you're like screwing yourself over as far as salary and stuff. Yeah. And opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. It's really changed. It, it has a lot. So, um, so Poppins, well, how, well, how did the name come about? Does that mean oh anything? God. Or was just totally the random? List of names that we went through. Like, like yeah, I, I it's know. So, like, it's just like, yeah, it's so frustrating. It's like, so hard to pick a name. It has to be like, you know, you need, you need the dot com dot io, all the social media angles. You know, you have to make sure it doesn't say something like bad in a different language. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we went through a lot. We got really close with Conjure. We thought Conjure would be a good name because you sort of conjure the hologram, mm-hmm. um, but. It had to be a weird spelling, so we were looking at these weird spells. It yeah. just didn't feel quite right. Um, and so we were trying to think of something that was easy, as you said, but also conveys the concept. Yeah. So it's it's the idea of popping in. Mm. So when you click this link, you know, a hologram pops into, yeah. your, into your world. So that's sort of, I think, it partly also was inspired by... Um, a design aesthetic which we were embracing, which was blue note, okay. uh, blue note vinyl. And um, if you ever look at the blue note vinyl albums, they're gorgeous, um, a lot of saturated color, and um, I think there's one that's called Poppin, but it's more like P O P P I N, you know, a, a jazz record. Might be blues, um, and so yeah, that's Poppin. Okay, and so is, is it Poppin? Is it Poppin? Yeah. Is it all caps, lowercase, you know, you go through all that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, it's amazing how much time, I always say how much time like, people waste on, on the name, but we waste, I know I waste a lot of money and time figuring it out what to name it. Um, so how do you entice artists to use your platform? Like you, you like they get a, a fee, you pay them a fee or how's that work? Uh, no, we've had some artists come to us and then we've approached artists and everyone's intrigued. I think people are struggling to make an impact and nurture what's now really a direct artist fan relationship, Mm -hmm. which wasn't so much the case Mm -hmm. in the past, at least on the major label side. So this is a really engaging way Mm -hmm. to build that relationship with the fan because now you're in 3d in their house. Um, Or for some of the artists, it's a reward for being a Patreon. So you get this special session <coughs> together. So, um, no, the artists have been incredible. And, I, you know, 
I'm giddy is the wrong word, but it's something <laughs> along that line because it is when you're standing in the studio and it feels like you're probably just doing radio or TV, but then we've got a monitor set up so you can kind of see what you look like and you look like a video game character, you know, and then your mom's sending you a picture and you're standing on the record player or whatever. Um, it's, it's pretty fun. The artists you work with, do you have to kind of like, like train them up how to use the platform or like, you know, how do I like do all that kind of stuff? Yeah, we do a little prep work. So we have both on demand. So coming in and doing a performance that we can then make available later for people to pull up or the 3D live. Mm -hmm. So we talk with them first. We talk about wardrobe because some things work better than others. Um, we, you know, describe what it's going to be like. Um, there's options for if you're doing music, if you're singing into backing tracks or if you're bringing a guitar or if you have a loop, you know, there's different ways that you can perform. So we, we do talk through all those things in advance. So artists doing like a, th a, a 3d live performance, are they able to see the people watching? Like, you know, like I'm singing, I can say, Hey, shout out to Tom, shout out to Mary. Thank you for watching me, Susan. Is it able to do that? Yeah, you can see on the monitor that shows you as a little hologram that you can mm -hmm. see, there are little profile pictures with names. Okay. So you can see who's tuned in. And then, um, of course, you know, some artists, you know, they have like graphic language, they have graphic stuff. Does it, does a system like, okay, you can't have to be 18 years old to watch this or anything like that? Or is this... Um, so none of our stuff has been explicit okay. to date. Okay. Um, I, imagine we that will be something mm -hmm. that we'll deal with at some point but okay. so far that's not I imagine back the day if, if two like who was doing this yeah we had to be some kind of a disclaimer or something right yeah oh well it's definitely if you know if you're xbox mm -hmm. you have to have parental controls okay i think if you're poppins right now and mm -hmm. an artist comes in and someone's pulling you up that's mm -hmm. not uh something that we need to be super concerned about okay. right now. But I think we, if we knew we were doing something very explicit, we would probably put some kind of a warning or something somewhere. Okay. And when artists use your platform, are they able to like, you know, like sell different things, like put a link in there and say, hey, here's my next, you know, concert, here's my t-shirts. Are they able to do that? And, and if they do, do you, do you get a cut out of that? Yeah. So we're very artist friendly. So at this point we are inviting the artists into the studio and we're not charging them. Okay. So a lot of the studios charge tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars to create these volumetric video uh, experiences. We, um, so we pay the cost for that. And then if there's revenue, we share that 50, 50. Okay. So, uh, we have artist pages on our website and we're happy to point to um, their websites where they might be selling merch and things like that. We wouldn't ask for a percentage of that. Okay. All right. Um, and like, uh, is a plan like to right now you have like pretty much, I want to say small time artists, but kind of small time artists, like how are you going to go after the big ones? What's the plan for that? Um, well, I think that'll happen naturally, naturally okay. as we move forward. I think Brian and I are, are we have the background that we have, which so, he worked at Sony mm -hmm. Pictures. I worked at Geffen Records. So um, when the time is right, there are a lot of people that we can talk to and show them uh, what the opportunities are. Okay. So, um, yeah, we're ready. You know, the... The, when the right artist comes through or that connection yeah. gets made, you know, mm -hmm. I think there will be a couple breakout moments for AR, VR, mm -hmm. for the industry. Be great. We'd love to be that. Yeah. Uh, I'm really curious to see what happens with Apple because they are talking about yeah, these AR yeah. glasses. Yeah. Um, 
And I would say that when iTunes launched, that was a big mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Um, so I think with Apple, like I thought people realize like Apple, like they're not, they're innovative. They're not right. Like it's like they sit back. We want to do this, but let all these other, let's our competition make all the mistakes. We learn from our competition mistakes. So they learn from the competition mistakes and they put this product out. But it's not really innovative, but it's like way better than anyone else, right? Yeah, I think they have a very high quality bar mm-hmm. and they have not put things out before they were ready. Yeah. Another thing too, I think Apple does good too is like going back to the day, you probably remember this when I think the the iPod first came out, right? At the time, it was okay, right? But other products were way, way better, right? Like had more yeah. quality audio, more storage, more KCB, but the other other audio, like buy my product, we have a 3.2 hertz and 9.9, there's all these right. stats and numbers. Steve Jobs, here's a thousand songs in your pocket, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, who are you gonna buy? What are you gonna buy? Something you understand? All these jargon numbers, right? Yeah. And they did a serious marketing campaign around that yeah. too. I mean, there were billboards and yeah. you know, um, it really just kind of cracked, I think, the culture. Yeah. You know, so people went, Oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So as far as being an entrepreneur, talk about some challenges. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. What's, from your point of view, what's some pros and cons of being an entrepreneur? Um, pros is you're working for yourself. Um, that's probably the con, <laughs> some too. People, yeah, that's yeah, the con, too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, yeah so I, there's no, like, time off, mm-hmm. um, really. So, uh, but I really am so appreciative of that flexibility. Mm-hmm having kind of been on someone else's clock for that many years. Um, And then there's just the wide open potential. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you could dream anything and, and things happen and it's exciting. And, um, and you know, it was just you and your partner that was, that were pulling that together along with anyone else who helped, you know, and all the others that are there. Cause it's definitely a team effort. Yeah. and I'm lucky I've had a great support from friends and family. That's so too. important. Like mm-hmm. I can imagine being an entrepreneur, like your friends and people don't support you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had a lot of support. Yes. So like um, you was at Geffen Works for 14 years, Microsoft 14 years. So obviously you're not in your mid-20s anymore. Yeah. Can you talk about how like how at your age you have this focus and drive or like a lot of people don't have the focus and drive? Yeah. Um I, you know, maybe it's just, um, people are different, Mm -hmm. but, um, my husband's the same way. Like we're not looking to retire. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like the adventure is in front of us. So, um, it's just, uh, it's just not a mindset that I have right now. I feel more probably motivated and inspired to be stepping out into this new phase where I get to kind of try to build something. Mm-hmm. And what advice you have like do like someone post one that has an idea, right? They have no co-founder. We have no money. Like what advice you have for them? So someone has an idea for a new business. Um, so for me, I like to write things down. So I like to just kind of spell it out as far as what the idea is, what the next steps would be and what the result might be after that. And then it's a matter of just chipping at that and uh, finding people that can play a role and, and doing it. Um, I had, so when I, Graduated from college, my friend Beth and I decided to go to LA for what we thought was going to be a couple of months. 
And we packed up my little red Toyota Tercel <laughs> with like the ironing board hitting the ceiling, like couldn't see anything. And we stopped in Vegas on the way down for fun because you do that. Um, and when we left, we were just like talking and listening to music. And about two hours later, we realized that we were going east instead of south. And so we decided we would just keep going, that we didn't have to actually be in L.A. for any specific thing. And we drove all across the country. We went up to Canada and we came That's back. That's a hell of a detour. It was great. And we saw all these things that, you know, we might not have. Mm -hmm. And it was just because we decided to do it. And so that's something that's really stuck with me. And a lot of the time when you have an idea, you really just have to take the first, like almost physical step to just do it. And then all of a sudden you're going to be doing it just to make it real. So as an entrepreneur, do you have any red flags? Like, you know, if this red flag, I'm going to stop doing the business, you know, like, you know, if I don't get funding or like, you know, if some developer tells you it's going to cost $100,000, do y'all have a red flag where you're going to set everything down? No, we haven't talked about a red okay. flag. Um, we talk about where we're at. We just did this morning uh, all the time and kind of assess where's the market at. Um, I think coming out of CES this year, uh, talking to people at South by Southwest, just others in the industry, there's a general feeling that it's going to take a little longer than everyone thought mm -hmm. to get to the point where there are a lot of headsets, AR, VR yeah. in the marketplace. Um, so I think the people that are in the industry still believe in AR and VR, but there is a awareness that the devices that were expected from Google and Samsung and Nick, you name it, are not going to be here in the time frame that was originally projected. So, you know, you kind of have to just reevaluate yeah. all the time. I mean, we over the weekend, we switched gears and we're talking about a lot of really interesting things we might do in, in sports. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're not limited to music or comedy. Okay. Um, and I mean, that's part of the fun of it is mm -hmm. constantly sort of, is this right? What if we did this and being able to do that? Now these headsets, are they, are they like pretty expensive or like pretty average price? Yeah, or? they're pretty expensive right okay. now. So, you know, you get a, Quest 2, which is, used to be the Oculus, mm -hmm. for about $300. Okay. And they're great, but they are pretty bulky. Okay. And they're really more virtual reality glasses. Okay. Um, yeah, I think there was a leaked price point for Apple AR glasses at 3000 But yeah. I don't know if that's legitimate or not. Yeah. Have you ever talked about making those things yourself? So it's like outside of scope? Yeah, that's outside of scope for us. Okay. And Brian and I were both at um, Zune, so uh -huh. we saw what it took to actually put okay. a piece of hardware into the marketplace. All right, so it's a, a big leap. It's a lot. That's a okay. lot. I yeah. think I like, know, like off the top of my head, like you could build these headsets and like rent them out to people, right? Mm -hmm. That's a fee or something. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a company called Amaze VR, mm -hmm. and they had a Megan Thee Stallion uh, hologram, mm -hmm. and you would go into physically into a venue like a seated venue and they would give you an oculus okay and there'd be a dj you know before that and then you'd all watch and experience the vr together um so yeah there's all kinds of different ways that people doing ar and vr so speaking of DJ, do you have any, like, any djs on a platform um no but we're really looking forward to doing a dj okay um yeah the challenge we had initially was if this was a deck mm. and we were surrounded by cameras mm. right now the 
this would be blocking me. So the cameras can't then see that piece. So then when you're looking at it in AR, VR, it could create kind of a hold or or a little artifact. So there's some challenges to equipment like that. that, um, So how are y'all making money? What's your your business model? Who's paying for this? Well, today there's the NFTs. Um, We think there's a big market in advertising. So we've created a little graphic that moves along with the AR that <clears throat> would work very well for an oh, For example, like if 7up did something with this, you could have a QR code on the 7up and this is Sir Mix-a-Lot. If you scan this with your uh-huh. phone, Sir okay. Mix-a-Lot's going to jump up and sing oh, Baby Got Back. Oh shit. Yeah, and that's then you crazy. can take a picture. You could that's move like, it like in. Some, that's like some Star Trek, Star Trek stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and this is I have another one with uh example with sorry sassy black so and that's you know a coffee company that she works with and the qr code again she would come up and perform her song okay um so things like that um so each time like for her does she get like a fee from you every time someone scans her or how's that work so she chose to go to market with nfts so she created 22 well we worked on it together Mm -hmm. 22 nfts that are each individual instances of her augmented reality performance okay. that uh, people collect. Okay. So how long did it take for y'all to get some more NFTs? Like, what the hell is this NFT thing? Like, how, do, how long did it take for y'all to figure out how to, like, what is this? First of all, how do I utilize this to make, make my company better? It was actually a lot easier than you might think. Um, someone that I worked with uh, back in the music days, David Pakman, he was at eMusic, um, got involved with crypto and Top Shot and a bunch of other um, companies. And he gave me some really good advice and introduced me to one of the major marketplaces, Rarible, for NFTs. And so we had a couple conversations with those guys and they really helped us launch the first NFT that we did with Alex Shaw, which sold out in 24 hours. Like it was terrific. Um, And we had a conversation this morning about doing another NFT with an artist out of Dubai that we have a song with. And again, we'll probably go back to Rarible. Okay. So as far as you, what's your like your what's your like your number one strength? Like I said, is marketing, business development, interpersonal skills. Like what's your like like okay, this is what I do like better than anyone else. Um, people have told me that the partnership piece of okay. it for me is a strength. Um, okay, which I have to say, I love talking to people uh-huh. and working with people and hearing their stories and what they want and what they're working on, and then finding ways that we can work together. So it's not really work for me. Like I just. That's fun. Yeah. So when you first meet someone, how fast do you realize, okay, I can work with this person or man, I I would never work with this person. Is that pretty quick that you can figure that out? I'd say I have a very open mind. So I rarely would say I can't work with this person. Um, I mean, that'd have to be a pretty big red flag flag for me to feel that way. Um, Not that it hasn't happened. Yeah. 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 so, so Poppins, for, for your hiring, it's just you and Brown right now. Is a plan to bring on people later on, or like? Oh yeah, I think. And, and how do you, you, you like? How do you do? You have like, do you have like, like you have like, you know, first hire developer, second hire is marketing, third hire is sales. Like, you have that broken down. Um, I we do have a plan okay. as far as how we would go, but it depends a little bit on which of the different initiatives mm-hmm. we're pushing forward with okay. first. Um, but yeah, there is definitely some dev work that it would be great 
to do some things that are unique to Poppins. We don't have an app, so it's all web AR. Okay. which is great. So we don't have anyone, there's no download, mm -hmm. there's no headgear required. All you need is a phone. Mm -hmm. So the barrier is really low for the customer. Um, but there's all kinds of possibilities. Like you could, you could pull up Surmix a lot. Mm -hmm. And then if we had a designer, it could include special effects. Okay. Like, you know, there could be all kinds of other things that happen with that. Um, you know, I'm trying to do all our socials. That's a lot of work. I'm not doing a great job <laughs> yeah, of it trust me, I know. at all. Um, I'm, you know, one of the things that I'm really surprised at as far as having a business is how much writing is involved. Yeah. Like one pagers, proposals, artist bios. Version 20,000 of your pitch Press deck. releases. Yeah, it's a lot of writing. Things, yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's, what's your, like your go-to social media right now? What you're getting most, the most traction on Twitter. Twitter. Okay. Yeah. For our space, which is kind of, um, web three yeah. metaverse crypto, um, you know, the NFTs and gamers and all of that. It's I'm actually Twitter. surprised at that. Cause it's in like more like words and stuff. I thought it'd be like TikTok or Instagram. I could go so videos and stuff on there more than Twitter. Well, Instagram, I would say right behind Twitter. Okay. And then TikTok after that. Okay. But, Especially, I mean, most of the artists that we work with are in their 20s yeah, and 30s, maybe. So um, in a lot of ways, they're not as about social yeah. media in general, but they are almost all using Twitter spaces to communicate with their fans. And yeah. a lot of Discord, too. Okay, yeah. I, I never got to Twitter spaces for some reason. I just never figured it out. For me, my big things are like LinkedIn, uh, TikTok, and, and uh, YouTube are my main ones. Yeah. I should be yeah. really big on Snapchat. As they, I don't know what they do with Snapchat. They made it too complicated, so I got off there. Yeah, yeah. Snapchat is doing a lot in AR. Yeah. Um, a lot. Um, so that's on my list. I need to kind of re-engage with Snap. Yeah. So when you start hiring people, like, what's your plan for you? Like, just like advertise it? Like, like well, I'll, I'll, I'll probably call you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, probably... Um, there will be, there are already people that reach out yeah, that sure, are interested sure are, in working yeah, sure with us. Are, yeah. So I've kind of got a list I'm yeah. holding on to at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's usually word of mouth, right? Yeah. It's usually contacts and people that you know. And once you know what industry yeah. or what type of person you need. Yeah. Um, so obviously, like your that. first 10, 20 hours, like you and Brian will probably need them directly, you know. Like here's my here's our cultures, our values. You know, makes it sort of matches. But like, how are you gonna make sure your culture stays the same? You're at employee number fifty five or eighty five, right? Yeah. How are you gonna make sure that happens when you when you're trusting your your other people below you, like do the hiring? You can't be directly involved anymore. Yeah, I mean, I might turn that question around to you and see what your opinion is. I did read uh, the the guy from Zappos had a book. Um, yeah. I can't remember. It's building to happiness or yeah, something. Tony something. Yeah. And that was one of the themes yeah. that he had was how important it was that they maintain that culture all the yeah. way through. And that did make an impact on me. Um, you know, I can look at my experience at Geffen Records mm -hmm. and that still feels like a family. Mm -hmm. And there are groups that I was in at Microsoft that felt the same way. Yeah. I can't pinpoint why mm -hmm. that worked in that way it just yeah. seemed sometimes to be, just clicks right sometimes yeah, just clicks and yeah. sometimes it's it just doesn't a group click. of people yeah and a degree of um just inclusion mm -hmm. and transparency so that people know where the company's headed and yeah i think it's important to be transparent you know yeah 
unfortunately, a lot of people are not transparent, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, I'm all about being transparent. Like, yeah. Maybe to a fault, but no, yeah. I'm the same way. I'm way too transparent. Um, so, so far, everything's bootstrapped, right? Yes. Yeah. Is the plan to actually do a fundraiser in the future? Or? Um, yeah. We're, we're, we've just started having that conversation. Okay. Um, and I think we'll be moving into that phase this month, next month. Okay. As far as building the plan yeah. to do it. That WTIA group that mm. you and I were both in, mm. I thought that was great. Yeah. Like, I learned a lot. Definitely. Um, so, I'm guessing, like, the most... Uh, Investor, you need to talk about going to be in LA, right? Versus like, of course, everyone's on San Francisco, but I'm guessing like most of the investors you need to be in the LA area, right? The entertainment. Yeah, and actually, I think our the first thing we do here will just be friends and family. Yeah. So, what else? Um, how are you actually marketing this? Is this word of mouth, right? Yeah, and then with the artist. Okay. So uh, these artists have fan bases. Mm -hmm. And so they're taking it out to those fan bases. One of the next things that I think we will do is find some partners mm -hmm. that can amplify the programming that we do. We're just moving into serialized content. Okay. So with 3D Live, we've done four, the last four months, we've done a session yeah. and we'll continue to do that so that there's a regular cadence of 3D Live shows. Um, and... We do have a vision that at some point people will want a 3D TikTok meets Netflix meets YouTube. And we'd like to either be the ones that aggregate that data and make it available as a channel or be a primary uh, supplier. So a platform is a limit on how much you can do on there. Like can, can right now, can you like do a, a hundred concerts in a hundred different cities? We could, yeah. Okay, so the platform supports that, no, okay. Yeah, there's, um, there are updates coming in the next month too that are going to I mean the the team at Forma Vision is constantly yeah. updating. Okay. And like in the local areas do you all like, go like a jazz monster to Tacoma and say hey let me do this 3D stuff here or like how do you work with that? Um, the main venue that we've worked with here is the Crocodile. Okay. So uh, and I think you said you haven't been down there yet. No. The new one. So um, what, is, what is that? What neighborhood is that in? Belltown. Belltown. Okay. Yeah. And it's multi-level mm -hmm. So at the bottom, there's like a comedy club mm -hmm. that's more like a small theater with okay. seats, but they have shows in there too, mm -hmm. like music shows and other shows. Um, and then there's a main big room that's like a stage at the end and a bar at the other okay. side and dark and like full on rock mm -hmm. venue. Um, and it's also a hotel. So on the top floor, there's six to eight rooms and a little lobby area. And that's where we've done some of our um, 3D lives. Okay. So after sound check and before mm -hmm. the show, the artists can come up and for their fans that can't be in Seattle, it's a chance to tune in and hear a couple of songs okay. and talk to the artist. Um, and the crocodile has been a great partner as okay. we experimented with that. Good. Um, We've done it twice. So you talk about your business model. So is there such thing as a perfect customer for you? Uh, today, someone like Seven Up would be a perfect customer. Okay. You know, okay. someone that had uh, an online presence and a physical presence, so that we could put mm -hmm. the QR code um, okay. on there. Yeah. And when like someone at home uh, does use a use a platform, do they have to pay a fee for it? No, 
So it's no, totally it's free. always free. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that could change, of course, if there mm -hmm. was an artist that said, I want to do a show at six o'clock and I want to sell a ticket for it. Mm -hmm. We could do that. Okay. So it's pretty like, you know, we're looking for pretty flexible. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that artists could say, like, you know, like you would say no to, like, those artists says, I want to do, I don't know, there's something crazy off right? Is there any, like, limits, something we say, okay, we can't do that? Um, oh, I mean, I yes, mean, there are things that um, artists have said, can we do, mm -hmm. that we can't do yet. Okay. You know, so it is a roadmap. It's, this is really early technology. Yeah. Um, and I think, as I said, I think a couple times, Form Vision's really leading the way. Mm -hmm. So things are developing as we're moving along. So Form Vision, it's not like you really count them to be a big part of what you're oh, doing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. What would happen, like, I'm sure you have a plan, if they said like they went out of business or said want to deal with you no more, what do you what's your plan for that? Uh, I think we would take a hard look at it. Mm -hmm. We could do what we do with other volumetric uh -huh. video studios. Okay. Um, so well, no plan could, to do that yourself though, right? No. Unless no, you no. absolutely have to. Unless someone gave you like twenty five million dollars to say build so, it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, we we don't have a plan to build it ourselves. Okay. No, they're great partners. Good. So. So Poppins, can you go like more detail, like how the company got started, what you focus on now, and what the future vision is for the Poppins? Uh, so I, Brian came to me and said, "Do you think there's something here?" And it was just before the holidays, and we um, in 2020. Mm -hmm. So the pandemic was happening already. Um, we had the idea that we could do Santa Claus or other holiday characters and because the malls were shy of having, you know, people weren't going to malls and sitting on Santa's lap. Um, but it was too late, you know, it was already like the middle of November. So we did tape a Santa. Like we have, we have a couple Santas. Um, and we ended up doing something the next year with children's hospitals so kids that were in hospital that couldn't go be, meet Santa could have Santa there and take a photo or play with him. Um, but that's when we started. Yeah. And then it turned into, we just kept talking and it sort of snowballed. And then we said like, yeah, let's go into partnership and start a company. So it's pretty natural. Yeah. And what, what's the focus for the Poppins right now? We're really focused on the 3D live streaming mm -hmm. element of it. So um, we started by doing a lot of these pre-recorded pop-ins. We've got maybe over 20. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last few months, we've been focused on 3D live sessions. So we want to build, you know, it'd be great to get to a point where if you were home at night, you said, oh, there's nothing on TV. I wonder what's on pop-ins, mm -hmm. you know. So why focus on that was the hundreds of other things you could focus on. The entertainment piece of yeah. it or pop-ins. Um, I don't know if I'm ever going to get away from music. You know, it's just like in me now. Yeah. Um, it's been my career. It was what I loved before I started a career. I'm married to a musician. Um, it's just my life. So, um, and Poppins isn't just music. It's comedy. It's dance. Gaming. It's gaming. It's sports. Like we're going to expand. I mean, it's like, yeah, the, the possibilities that. are limitless, I think. Yeah. yeah. And what, what's a, what's your vision for the company? Um, well, a couple. One is definitely to create this 3D channel. Mm. So instead of just watching your flat screen TikTok, um, you're going to watch a stream of 
produced content and user upload in 3D. So it'll be a much more, one thing that people say they feel like, even if I'm, it's me in the studio and I'm demoing it to someone like you, if you had me here or there, it's like, there's a sense of presence that you get when someone is there in your space, even though you're still looking at your screen to see the person, but they feel like they're there. Um, and I think that's part of why this whole new phase of video is gonna be compelling. Y'all do anything on Twitch? Twitch is going to be great for us. Yeah. 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 We haven't done anything yet there. But. Okay. And so you mentioned product roadmap earlier. Like how do you and Brian like determine your product roadmap? What's the process for that? Uh, we do a lot of paying attention to what's happening in the marketplace, um, trends, uh, hardware, monitoring what other companies are doing, the big ones and the little ones. Um, and then looking for what is sort of native to Poppins, like what makes sense to, to us now. So um, we were really focused on the on-demand piece. And then when the 3D live streaming kind of became good enough to do, we shifted focus to that. And I'm sure that'll continue to happen. So how have you dealt with this, right? Like like for me personally, in my mind, where am I right now? I spent like a year and a half ago, right? It's like, it's like, it's fucking slow as shit, right? How have you had the patience to like deal with the slowness and like the, the, the progress you make when it's never fast enough? So it hasn't been slow for us um, because we haven't been out there on the fundraising side. So we've been sort of building momentum, I would say, more than that. Um, and probably there's a lot more that we could do than we are doing because it is just the two of us. And so we have some limits, sort of self-imposed mm -hmm. limits um, as we kind of develop our thinking and and partnerships and all of that. So how hard is it y'all two not to say like, okay, it's only two of us, we're doing the best we can. We gotta bring someone else in. Like how that conversation go? Like we bring someone else in, like you make them a co-founder, they from the cap table, intern, or do you all just say, okay, you know what? We're gonna suck it up and be a two-man show until later down the road? Um, so far, it's been okay to be a two-person mm. show. Uh, I think we're right now at the beginning of that path to being more than that. You know, I think we've, we've reached that point where we need to take this, or we both want to take this to the next level. And to take it to the next level, we'll need some money and we'll need some resources, mm. including people. And if you already start reaching out to investors yet, like start conversations down the, later down the road. That'll be next after this okay. next phase, yeah. So we both just finished WTIA. Have you done any other incubators, accelerators besides that one? No, we got right after WTIA, we um, were offered the BPI tech board. Okay. Um, and that's the last thing that we've joined. I haven't been pursuing mm -hmm. anything else because we've just been busy. So I know there's like the tech stars where she commented all these yeah. like tech startup things. Is there any like incubators, accelerators like specifically for music tech startups? Yeah. Okay. Um, there are a couple of them like Music Ally, which was the one that okay. we mentioned is definitely that. Um, there's a tech stars component in LA that's very, okay. has been very music focused. Um, yeah. So just a handful. So how you do this? You know, like you, you have all these advice, people telling you what to do, right? Like people say, on, on, focus on sales, focus on product, focus on market. Like how do you personally decide what day, what to focus on? Well, up until now, we've really been focused on learning, mm -hmm. uh, learning what is working and 
what's happening in the marketplace mm. and what works and doesn't work for artists mm. and just optimizing what we're creating. Uh, but I think partially probably because it's going to take longer, as I mentioned, for some of these headsets. And we're at the point now where we really do need to focus on who's the customer and where's the money. So on a day-to-day basis, like, of course, you probably have a hundred things you want you to do, right? Day-to-day, how do you make sure you focus on number one and two versus working on number 77? Um, this is a place where I think Brian and I are a good uh, balance in that we can catch each other if someone is going too far off something that doesn't matter. Um and refocus. Like we do have kind of a touch point where we check okay. to see what we're focused on. And, uh, it hasn't been, it hasn't been too hard to do that. I mean, okay. we've definitely both gone into like taste something yeah. maybe farther than mm. we should have. Um, cause there's so much, you know, that's, I guess part of the fun of being mm. your own boss is you can kind of dream big and, yeah. you know, try things that, uh, that someone might not green light otherwise. But you do have to kind of um, come back to the nuts and bolts. A lot of the time we do have a schedule, a content schedule, like we have artists coming in or events that we want to get to. And so it's very clear the stuff you have to get done because otherwise you're going to show up and nothing's going to happen. So there's some logistics. So how do you write communicate? Like y'all communicate like meetings three, four times a day? Is there a Slack message? Like how do y'all like keep in touch, so to speak? Uh, Telephone. Texting and emailing. Okay. I'd say those are the main ways. Uh, and the lots of Zoom calls and Zoom or Google Meet or whatever else it is, Blue Jeans yesterday, <laughs> uh, with with partners. And how often do y'all actually meet in person? It's not very regular. So we've both traveled a bit. So this is the beauty of working in 2020 and beyond yeah. is that it doesn't really matter where we are. Um, when Brian's in town, we get together probably almost every day or okay. every couple of days, at least for a minute. The studio is in Georgetown, so okay. it's not very far away. So anything that we were doing from the studio, we mm-hmm. would obviously meet up there. Okay. Um, but we had a couple like restaurants that we would just go sit outdoor with a coffee, you know, um, and do some meetings too. So I'll ask you a tech startup and, and like, is there any, like, of course, kind of VR, AR, all that stuff. Is there any, like, new ticket that's out there that, like, really excites you? Um, they either, like, right now they're doing or, like, you hear, like, they're, they're going to do this in the future. That's a great question. What else? I mean, the world is buzzing about AI. Yeah. So that's um, something that is helpful to us as far as the AR, VR mm-hmm. creation is. And I'm... I haven't been using Jet GPT as yeah, much as I, I would I, like I, to. I haven't either. I've used it a couple of times. And like, like yeah. personally, I don't get it yet, right? I haven't used it. Like, to me, it's just another Google, right? But I'm, yeah. I'm not using it like I need to. Yeah, I think you're going to get a lot more out of it than yeah. that when you, like, even this marketing call I have with these um, music executives mm-hmm. every week, they're using it to write artist bios, they're using it to write briefs, you know, because you can really give it a lot of information. So, totally random. So, I was in Vegas this weekend for a wedding, right? The best man, his his speech was on ChatGPT. No way. Yeah, he did a he put a ChatGPT like and it, it did a speech for him, right? Oh my god! I said this is hilarious. Was it good? It was damn good. <laughs> it was freaking good, right? That's good. That's funny. 
it was like it was like scary how good it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, AR and VR, I think, have a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think quantum computing is something that is going to have a major impact, but I couldn't tell you exactly yeah. what that's going to mean. But I think that's going to be a technology that will also be. Yeah. I, I don't think people realize, like, I ever make it realize how far tech has come, right? Like, I watched a, a listen to podcasts, this guy was, he said, like, in his lifetime, he went from playing Pong to, like, what's going on right now, right? Yeah. Like, in less than 40 years, right? Yeah. And you think about, we went to, from, from Kitty Hawk, North Carolina in 1913, a man on the moon in 1969, right? Yeah. The advance we're seeing, like, it's just mind-boggling, right? No one can no one can keep up, right? Yeah. That's like example, like, AI, like, it's going to take away, away away everyone's jobs, right? You know, like, and if it does, it means you have to do universal basic income, you know? Like, we're somewhere like, AI is not going to take your job, but someone who knows how to use AI is going to take your job, right? It's all just like, man, like, is, is society ready for this? I don't think they are. Yeah, I think there are some questions. Yeah, like I read somewhere, like, you know, uh, the, what's it called? The autonomous trucks are going to take over that, you know, you don't need any truck yeah. drivers, right? So, like, yeah. I think it says there's 250,000 truck drivers in the United States. So, like, all the job is instantly, right? Yeah. That's a big hit, you know, like. That'll be the the cars that drive themselves in the trucks. That'll be really interesting. Yeah. And, like, like that question, like, you know, like, you go to a club, you get drunk or whatever, and you get your, your, your Tesla that drives yourself, and the cops pull you over, like, you get a UI, like you're not driving, right? Oh yeah, I don't think you're getting unless unless it's the not fully self driving and you're still yeah. supposed to be in control yeah. of it. Yeah. Which I think is the current model, right? Yeah. There's um, so many questions like no one has the answer to, right? I don't yeah. think. Like AI like yeah, it's this craziness. Yeah. But I do think the right approach is to learn it mm-hmm. instead of just like shut it out. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Like, like they should be teaching it in schools, not oh yeah. Kicking it out. Like, like, I think they teach code like it's in a high school, right? Let's be touching mm-hmm. elementary school. But and I mean, it, even AI, like yeah, chat, yeah. GPT, like how do you use it? Yeah. And, and remember they had the, the hearings in, in D.C. for the TikTok CEO. And like, I was so embarrassed. Like, these people represent us, right? Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, I know, you got a, I know you got a young intern. Like, have yeah. your intern brief you and other stuff works, exactly. you know? Yeah. It's yeah. like, this is ridiculous, right? Like, the question they ask, like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. Like, seriously. Like, yeah. Yeah, bad. Man, craziness. So, Christine, is there anything I, I should have asked you that I didn't or anything else you want to talk about? Well, actually, we're, we're actually going to do this demo real fast. Forget about this. Oh, sure. Move for this up real fast. This is something that we did for Music Ally, I think, who wanted something in video to explain what it was that we were doing. Populous takes that connection to a new level by creating and distributing the most lifelike form of digital entertainment imaginable, 3D AR hologram. Filled with over 50 cameras, seamlessly woven together in the magic inside. And you can be shown in the real world. Is AR going to be big? Let's ask someone who might I think AR is one of these very few profound technologies that we will look back on one day and went, well, how did we live our lives without it? Hop into the one-stop shop. Artists pay nothing and retain full ownership of the 3D master. Any revenue is shared even. Fans can immediately watch Hopkins. If you can jump in the virtual room and take pictures with artists, they can share on TikTok and Reels. Something they can easily do in real life. No download, app, or headphones needed. Hopkins proprietary branding feature 
creates new revenue from advertisers and NFTs. Fans can access free music by scanning the QR code on items like a Starbucks coffee cup or concert ticket, or by clicking a link on a post or in a message. In 2023, we plan to be the first to produce an original 3D non-screen series. Artists will teleport from the studio in real time for monetizing their performances and VIP meetings without the need for expensive and stressful travel. Poppins are digital in the future for Fortnite and Roblox, in VR worlds from Meta's Horizon to Microsoft's Altspace, and more. Poppins is making it easy and affordable for all artists to step in and stand out their freedom. Poppins will change the way you want to see so I'm gonna go back to another party. Go fucking find out where we're at. <laughs> this right here, like that, to me is like blows my mind right here. Yeah. Like that's to me that's that's just freaking insane. Yeah, well, this is part of the fun of it. Like we we we've done a couple photo booths where uh, people can stand and we can put the artist next to them, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's what's happening here at Smash. So okay. that's Tomo with a bunch of people that were standing in front of me. But yeah, you can make them big, small, spin them around. Like you know, if it was an artist you really loved to have that. I'm talking about interaction presence. with someone. Yeah, like interaction with someone. Yeah, in a way you would never get. You know, most people are not going to meet all of their favorite artists. So this might be sound kind of creepy, but like, can someone like pull an artist in, like have the artist 24 seven, like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's kind of creepy, I think, you know, but like, you know, that like kind of stalkerish, yeah. you know, but man, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah, you can do that. You can make, we had one uh, video editor that made a whole music video using the AR, but in their home. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. So speaking of like stalkerish, creepier stuff, what do you do to like, protect your company, make sure that that stuff doesn't happen, right? Well, at a certain point, you know, that's something you just warn the artist. Like, okay. once this is out, like, yeah, the person can probably put you in somewhere you don't want to be, you yeah. know. But um, that's the nature of the technology. And what, what the Tim Cook in your video, what, that you just pulled his video for somewhere, or you got permission from oh, him? Or? Yeah, Apple is more and more talking out about AR okay. and the potential for that. Yeah, <coughs> okay. so we just do the credit there. Nice, nice, nice. Um, is there an artist like you really want to try to target target in your future to get on your platform? Um, we're really open minded. I think a K-pop artist would be oh, really wow. interesting. Oh wow, that'd be fucking big. That'd be nice. You yeah, know, That's those are you, some t- real fans. You talk about Africa blowing up. K-pop is like this. Yeah. Yeah. Blowing your blowing people's minds. Yeah. Taylor Swift. Let's, of course, let's get yeah. her in. Yeah. Um, is there like a type of music that's best for this, like rap music or rock music or country music, or just doesn't matter? Uh, I think actually it will matter. Mm-hmm. I, I'm eager to experiment with rap, which mm-hmm. we really hip hop, which we really haven't done mm-hmm. yet. Um, you know, I think uh, the gaming uh, world is yeah. one we haven't really tapped into. It's a possibility it's unlimited yeah. for your company. I yeah. think right, this yeah. the things y'all can do. Yeah, it's it's insane. Like. And, and just like, you know, off, off your business, right? You do a business meeting, like pop into the business meeting, right? Yeah. And that and that's really what Form of Vision is doing. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll have that kind of 3D meeting. Yeah. Christine, is there anything I should ask you that I didn't or anything no. else you want to talk about? No. 
This has been great. Thank you very much. Yes. Really nice. So if we get out of here, can you give us any last minute wisdom or advice or anything you want to talk about? Uh, I would say just keep going and keep a sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of sticky uh, situations that we all find each other in. And uh, someone told me once, I think it was wedding advice, like try to find something to laugh about (laughs) and it'll be better. That and music, like honestly, don't forget music if you're down. Christina, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you. And remember to be great every day. Don't you know?